Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real life zoo employees, but as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind, though, that we try to keep our podcast PG-13. So if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. And with that, my name is Kenzie. I'm Emily B. I'm Emily. Oh my gosh, I almost said I'm Emily A. I'm not. I'm Abby. (laughs) I'm Katie, and with that, we're going to talk about some stuff. But first, we're going to have an identity crisis. Yeah, Yeah, apparently. Later, um, she's actually going to... What's the word I'm looking for? She's going to pop herself in there. Yeah, she's going to record her separately um, since she is elsewhere tonight. But you are stuck with the four of us. We're sorry. Fun times. (laughs) And let's get started. <laughs> um, I've got a fan shout out. Tell us. Um, so there's this guy, and his name is David, and he's one of our biggest fans. He's also written us reviews matches. Emily, <laughs> would you like to tell us who David is? Who's David? I don't know. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, oh my is, god! Are you ready for this? I'm ready. He is my fiance. <laughs> I was like, who's David? Oh <laughs> Steve, oh, we did not know what I was doing. That's okay. No, I did. No, now I get it. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. We're so excited for you. Yeah. We're going to have good stuff. We're going to have two married queens. So, are you getting married at an aquarium where a beluga will <gasps> actually officiate the ceremony? I mean, aquarium, probably yes. Beluga, probably no, sadly. Ah. Uh, yeah. That's too bad. I have approximately one dollar. Can I afford beluga whales? Here's the deal. I would like to offer our services as your friends to be the educators at your reception. You know, TBH might take you up on that. (laughs) Yes, I'll do it. But like, consider that belugas also get paid in like fish. That's true. I could probably afford some herring and mackerel. Yeah, he could do it. And maybe you could afford it. It's true. I'll have to look more into it. Well, yeah. we are very have to find one online. We're very, very excited for you. Is exciting. Yeah, Is congratulations. Say, <laughs> Kenzie, you got to witness it, didn't you? I did. Yes, me and another friend of ours. We were, <laughs> we were recording the whole thing uh, because we had a friend, a mutual friend, take the photos for of okay. the actual our, engagement. Our our mutual friend's husband is a professional everything media, so. It's true. He's quite yeah. good. Yeah, so me and Jesse were literally hiding belly down in the sand behind this little dude. <laughs> and oh as soon gosh. as the ring was popped on, and we were like, go, go! So we just popped up out of nowhere. They literally <laughs> ran out of the bushes, like, screaming. It was so the funny. best. I'm still riding that serotonin high to this day. It's really exciting. Woo! A so, yeah. Like, you know, it's just as exciting, but not really. <laughs> well, sort of. It's exciting. It's some conservation news. What? what? So uh, I read a really cool article about how uh, NASA technology is being used to uh, that was used to map stars is now being used to track and identify whale sharks to try and get better data on their migration patterns and breeding sites and more. Um, Because obviously knowing more about an animal helps scientists develop 
conservation strategies to protect them. And whale sharks are unfortunately a declining species that we don't know very much about. There's a lot about them that's still uh, kind of a mystery for being the giant uh, biggest fish in the ocean. Um, But they're currently using an algorithm used by the Hubble Telescope. Um, to photograph whale sharks and identify individuals by their spot patterns, much like it would identify star patterns. That's really cool. And it's, yeah, it's creating, like, it's called a wild book for whale sharks. Which, that's a quote-unquote wild book for whale sharks, um, which is basically a database that um, individuals can use if they ever, like, were to see a whale shark, whether it's researchers or even just, like, a scuba diver. Um, to help identify what whale shark it was, where they saw them. Well, their spots are like a fingerprint. Exactly. Yes. So they all they all different. So cute stuff. So basically, you just take a photo of it. And it's like a way to track them. You know, citizen oh. science, sort of. It's funny that you mentioned whale shark. <laughs> favorite marine animal is a whale shark. Mm-hmm. It's David. Wow. Oh, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is that you should probably have your wedding at the Georgia Aquarium. Because they have belugas yeah. and whale sharks. Yes, but do they have the ability to accept my one dollar as payment? <laughs> <laughs> if you work at the George Aquarium uh, and you're listening to this, hook a girl up. It's true. Uh, speaking of Susan Aquariums, Addy, what have you got? Uh, we've got lots of. Uh, Crazy enough, babies again. This is a baby year. Um, starting with, there's a new baby orangutan. At the- and we love it's so cute. I I would like to argue that baby orangutans are the cutest babies of the great apes. I thought you were gonna say cutest babies. Period, and I was ready to fight you. Oh no 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 <laughs> no, no, no no no! Just of, of the great apes. I think they are very cute, and they always have that little. Like tummy, I and like their hair. Little, like, hair. Yeah, their little tufty hair. hair. Their hair looks so dumb. Always, but like also baby gorillas, though. Baby gorillas are pretty great. That's true. Well, there's a new well, one. This is, the, this is a debate for another time. I was gonna say it's a good debate though, because it's just debating who's cuter, and that's a fun one. Um, also, there is a new baby black rhino at the Sedgwick County Zoo. Um, also, I don't know who's running the rhino SSP, but they're literally on oh my fire. Gosh. They they are doing Would a great like job because rhinos are just popping out left and right right Am now. I, I'm not crazy in thinking that, right? There's like a shit ton of rhinos that were born in the last like Whoa. two years. Yeah. That's an actual form of measurement. Thank you very much. Um, also, the Memphis Zoo is starting to offer sensory inclusive programming. Woo! We love it. So that's, uh, for those who don't know, sensory inclu- inclusive programming. Um, a couple of zoos have already done this as well. Um, but it is for children um, or people with sensitivities to things like light and sound um, and stimulus, and it's a way that they can experience the zoo and still get to see the animals um, in an environment that's a little bit less crazy. So it's it's a really cool program that they're starting. A lot of times they'll have like narrations to help um, go along the zoo, and they'll provide like headphones for people who need them. It's very, very cool. So we love that. Mm-hmm. Mm. all right what do we got in beluga news wow i'm so glad you asked um oh, yeah. let's see so in i got two things this week um so the disney plus series that's been announced is called secrets of the whales and we know this is coming it's coming out on earth day um this is Woo. previously did a beluga news on it but belugas are getting their whole episode
episode, like a whole episode just of belugas. And I guess technically they're adding nice. narwhals in, but belugas. It's called oh. Beluga Kingdom. That episode is oh, wow. me. Um, so you can bet that I will be watching that the minute it comes out. Very exciting. Um, and so then aren't, aren't narwhals really close related to belugas anyway? They are. Yes, they're yeah. in the same family on a dog's day. Yeah. Wow. I either totally just forgot what it was called or I've been pronouncing that wrong my entire life. Well, nice. what did you call it? I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> well, I mean, monodontidae is belugas and narwhals and then you have odontocetes and mystocetes. Yep. No, 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 no. I, I, uh, okay. Well, now we know. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, and then my second piece of beluga news is that the um, baby beluga at the shed um, Bella's calf has a name now. His name is <gasps> Atlas. Wow. Oh, Thank you. Um, they posted some pictures, I think, within the last week of him now that he's six months old. And he's participating in training sessions and just being a general adorable baby beluga. We love uh, it. Definitely holding up my world right now. We do love that. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for the, the – I got it. I also so. love Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, so what are Thank we talking you. about this week? We doing a biome. biome. Another biome. This is one of my favorite probably, biomes. I was going to say, it's probably my favorite biome. Uh, if I had to choose one. It's a good one. We're talking about rain. The rainforest cafe. Yeah, <laughs> specifically in the... Wait, why didn't anyone choose the rainforest cafe? I, mean, I can cover the rainforest cafe. It's gonna... a pretty great place. <laughs> You know what? It gets a lot. Of, the food, not great. The atmosphere, 12 out of 10. I was going to say, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what's a rainforest? Well, oh, let me. me tell you, because I do love a good rainforest. This is my favorite topic to talk about with kiddos. Um, you may be wondering what a rainforest is. It is a forest consisting of evergreen trees, which are different than conifer trees. So conifers are going to be like your pines and whatnot. Um, evergreen trees just mean they don't lose their leaves and they're always green yes. um thank you and so it's a force of evergreen trees that experiences a high amount of rainfall every single year to be considered a rainforest you must uh receive at least a hundred inches of rain every single year otherwise you are you're kicked out <laughs> rainforest. Uh, yeah exactly the rainiest rainforest is Cherapungi Mausirnam? Mausirnam? I'm going to say yes. Did I do that good job? Not going to tell you. Gonna. We'll roll with it. I, I mean, I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't. Well, it's it. in <laughs> India, and it receives over 467 inches of rain every single year. That's about That's 39 feet of rain. That's a four-story oh. building. Isn't that mm -hmm. crazy? Mm -hmm. Apparently, they like never get mm -hmm. sunlight. It's pretty much just rain all the time. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's insane. Um, rainforests, uh, there are two different kinds. There are temperate and tropical. For this episode, we're going to focus on tropical rainforests because temperate rainforests also kind of fit into other biomes. They just have more rain than, than other ones. Um, so we're focusing on the tropics. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, the tropics is a region on the world that lies between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, which are two lines um, on either side of the equator. The tropics are closer to the sun, so there are only two seasons, the wet season and the dry season. Uh, rainforests are 
one of Earth's oldest living ecosystems. Uh, there are certain rainforests that have survived in their present form for the last 70 million years. Like dinosaurs That's walked in, ra- in the rainforest that we have today. Oh, Isn't that yeah. weird? Yes, they did. It's insane. Uh, tropical rainforests have a small temperature range, generally fluctuating between 68 to 93 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 20 to 34 degrees Celsius, uh, usually between 77 and 88% humidity. So that's, that's a little too humid for me. I yeah, think. same. I'm not a fan. Well, each rainforest, uh, one thing kind of unique about this biome is that it has layers. So there are four layers of the rainforest. We're going to start like, like an, an ogre. ogre. <laughs> except, in go- except from going from inside to outside, it goes from like top to bottom or bottom to top. Um, I'm yes. going to go from bottom to top, to be clear. So the bottom layer of the rainforest is called the forest floor. This is yes. where the dirt is. Or the soil. <laughs> or soil. Or so- uh, wow, are you, alert. Kenzie, can you tell we work with plants? <laughs> yes, just a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, the minute you said that, I was like, oh, oh this was, I don't even this would not have happened a little bit ago. To that. Uh, but here we are. Um, so the forest floor is the darkest of all the rainforest layers. It's usually almost completely dark. Uh, leaves that fall decay very quickly because of the lack of light and the large amount of decomposers. It's kind of like wild compost. Nice. That's that is pretty. That's Thanks. a good way to put it. I, I like came that. up with that, and I was really proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I mean, I guess that is like just kind of how the wild. That's works, true, you know. And yeah, I'm also so you... sure I am not <laughs> the first person to come up with that, but we did it. Um, the plants that live on the forest floor are usually very shrubby in nature. Um, so moving on to the next layer, we have the understory. Uh, which is also dimly lit. There's not much sunlight. It is a very still, very humid environment. Um, Something interesting I found is flowers are usually supposed to be super duper big to attract the pollinators. And it's because there's so little light that they have to be bigger. Wow. Just kind of cool. Apparently, and one website said that many fruits are edible. I don't know if they mean by humans or by animals, but- Probably both. I would assume both, yeah, because understory is where, um, like, if you are a human living in the rainforest region, that's where you're going to find most of your food if that's where you go to get your food. It's true. Um, because everywhere else is too far up. <laughs> so understory is the good place. Um, many of the animals that live in the understory take advantage of a camouflage technique called disruptive coloration, which means they have spots or stripes or splotches to help them blend in in the shadows. Um, this includes like leopards, anacondas, uh, baby tapers, those kind of animals. Um, and the understory also has the most open airspace. So most of the birds and the bats that live in rainforests actually live in the understory, wow. which I did bats? not know. I did say bats. Wonderful. Kenzie's ears perked up. <laughs> bats. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to talk about rainforest and not mention bats, Kenzie. Do not worry. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm not going to go into farther, though, because we've got a lot to get through. So the next layer is the yes. canopy. This is the probably the most defining feature of any rainforest. It is a layer of vegetation and treetops that's about six meters or 20 feet deep. 
It is the very top of the rainforest. The leaves and the plants form almost a roof over the top of the entire forest. Um, and so this is the canopy. The canopy is what blocks the sunlight um, and rainfall from the bottom two layers. Uh, and also is what makes but it really humid. Cool. But it's also cool. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. It's basically, it's like a natural roof. And that's what makes a rainforest. Um, the plants in the canopy usually spread their seeds through fruits. So things that eat them will then poop and spit them out to grow more. And the canopy is where the most animals live rather than any other layer of the rainforest, which means technically it's the place where the most animals live uh, in the entire world in any biome. Wow. Right? I mean, minus the ocean, because the mm. ocean we just don't know enough about. But as far as land goes, the canopy and the rainforest is where we have the most biodiversity. Um, a lot of the animals that live in this layer of the rainforest are really, really loud because vegetation absorbs sound. This includes things like siamangs and orangutans, which are both, I was going to say, these are Katie's favorite, and they are both super duper loud animals, especially sure the siamangs. I don't know if I've ever heard an orangutan yeah. actually do their long call, but I've heard the siamangs and they, they're, yeah. It's loud. It's loud. And then the last layer of the rainforest is called the emergence layer. This is the very, very top layer of the rainforest. Not too many animals live up there because trees can grow up to 200 feet tall, which is 60 meters. Uh, they rise above the canopy. Wow. So it's kind of like the trees that, like stick out of the top. Um, the trunks of these trees, which is interesting, are usually very sparse. So they don't have a lot of like branches, but they have really wide reaching leaves. So they kind of look like umbrellas. That was kind of cool. Um, the plants that live up here usually spread their seeds through the wind because that's they're exposed to all the elements. Uh, and the animals in the emergent layer are usually ones who can fly or glide. So you don't get a lot of like snakes or other things up there. It's mostly birds, bats, and then whatever animals are gliding. That's pretty cool. And now we're going to the most important part, which is the ecological importance of rainforests. Quite a bit. <laughs> and the answer is very. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, very. Uh, I kind of narrowed it down to three specific reasons, but obviously there, there are more. Um, the first reason I thought was rainforests are nicknamed Earth thermostat. So rainforests cover approximately 3 billion acres of land. They produce 20% of our oxygen and they store about 50% of Earth's fresh water. Those are things that we need, like literally, yeah. to survive. Yeah. I guess. I mean, Katie, if you want to try living without fresh water and oxygen, let us know because it'll help us in the future. What if I could? I survived you know? just yeah. on spite. You can do it, Katie. <laughs> I'm working toward Kenzie's, it. I'm working toward Kenzie's to magic Kenzie. knows no bounds. But I still do uh, rainforests. Continue. Yes, I was going to say, not that you hate them, because no one does. Well, they shouldn't. And if they do, you're wrong. Um, rainforests also absorb solar radiation and reduce greenhouse gases, which is stabilizing Earth's climate. So it's no surprise that part of the problem that we're having is because we keep cutting down the rainforest and causing more climate change. Wow. Concept. Ooh. It's crazy. It's like everything is connected. Hot take. In the great circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, 
Second reason, if you are a selfish person, rainforests provide for your well-being. Besides the oxygen in the water, they also um, provide wood for building things, plants that create fabric and fibers, spices that make our food uh, taste better, and medicinal treatments. Um, also, I like to say rubber for your shoes because there's rubber trees. They live in rainforests. I was just going to say rubber trees. I like rubber trees. I think they're cool. They're very interesting. It's weird that you can think of like maple syrup being your <laughs> being the bottom of your shoe, but that's kind of how I equivocate it in my mind. It's, it's not right, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's not but accurate, but it, you know, it makes me appreciate whatever. it. Um, about 70% of the plants that help to treat cancer are found in rainforests. So that's really, really important. That's a, it's that's a, large, a large percent. percent. Also, apparently, there is a fungi that can break down plastic without using oxygen that grows only in the rainforests, which could solve a lot of problems that we're having. Just a few. So that's bananas, and that's important. You know what else um, grows the in the rainforest? Bananas. Say it. <laughs> <gasps> I had to do it. It's not Everything's like I spend connected. all my working days in a bunch of banana trees. I was going to say, can you wait for that banana pole? Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Fun fact, by the way, friends, uh, banana trees are not actually trees. They are They're not trees. Yes, just like palm trees. Were, palm trees are also I grass. Were, I thought they were an herb. No. They're grass. Well, I'm going to trust you over the person who trained me at the other zoo because you guys have worked with the plant people. So, um, But I do, need to, I do know that they're not trees because that makes me mad when people call them banana trees. They're banana plants. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right. Um, finally, rainforests are the most diverse ecosystems on the planet. They only cover about 6% of Earth's surface, but they account for 50% of Earth's animals and plants, which is crazy. There's an estimated 20 to 40 b -b billion species that call the rainforest home. That's quite so, a few. B -b billion. B -b billion. Um, so if you like oxygen and water, and fighting cancer and animals, which I hope everybody who is listening to this podcast likes all of those things, then you should like rainforests and work to actively save them. And we're going to tell you about a couple of the most famous rainforests, starting with the Amazon. Woo! Take it away, Emily. Yeah, Woo! so I picked the Amazon um, primarily because of the uh, incredible freshwater biodiversity. Uh, however, the Amazon, I mean, if you think of a rainforest, like that's the first one that comes into my mind. Um, maybe yeah. it's because I played, I don't know, it was like that computer game, like the Amazon like trail. It was like Oregon Trail, but like you're on the Amazon. Did anybody else know what I'm talking about? No, well, I haven't played that. Spent a lot of time playing that game. Anyway, that's, continue. That's Amazon Trail. Yes. Anyway, um, so that's the one that I think of the most. Um, but the Amazon is one of the largest rainforests on Earth. Um, it takes up a massive 2,700,000 square miles um, surrounding the Amazon River in the Amazon River Basin. So um, this area encompasses nine different countries um, and it also encompasses over three, it's, I think it's 3,300, it's a very large number, over 3,000 different recognized indigenous territories. Um, wow. Yes. Now the biodiversity in the Amazon is absolutely bonkers. Every statistic I looked up just like made my brain explode a little more. Um, the thing with the Amazon is that it is a pretty well-studied rainforest at this point. 
Um, so we do know quite a bit about the animals that live there and we know like a lot of the animals that live there. So at this point, one out of every 10 known species in the world lives in the Amazon rainforest. Brain explosion. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's it's crazy. over. It's almost half that's... a million different species of insects. I will say that. Um, but but it still. Is, yeah. It's uh, one in five bird species that are known in the world is from the Amazon. Uh, um, one uh, in five fish species that are known in the world oh from God. the Amazon, which I'll have you know, over 40% of those fish are catfish. I, that doesn't surprise me, though. <sighs> catfish, man. Anyway. Um, there's, there's there's the one catfish that I really like. Yeah. At job. He's really cute. Catfish can be cute. They have their little barbels, their little whiskers. It's quite cute. He's, he's a p- pagoon shark catfish. Ah. He looks crazy. I love him. <laughs> Um, so going on to plants, um, the Amazon rainforest is home to the highest biodiversity of plants on earth. Um, almost half a million different species of plants have been identified in the Amazon river basin, which again is just like brain explosion. So many things, um, because the Amazon is so large in size, um, out of all of the rainforest and all of the plants on earth that sequester carbon out of the atmosphere to help us, um, kind of eliminate those greenhouse gases, 10% of that carbon sequestration happens in the Amazon rainforest. So that is critically important for us as we move forward um, as humans on earth, we need to, you know, help the Amazon and not let it lose carbon. Um, Climate change for the Amazon means uh, less rainfall, which means a loss of habitat for the animals and also a loss of greenery, which will also result in loss loss of habitat. Um, In the early 21st century, so starting in 2005, there's been a series of historical droughts in the Amazon River Basin um, attributed to climate change. Um, the worst one was in 2005. There was also one in 2006. And then again, I remember in that 2010. And there have been others since. Um, but basically, because the Amazon has experienced this drought, the river's drying up, um, the plants are drying out, and it also has increased um, wildfires, which is not great. Um, yeah, they, they were literally on fire like for a, a long year time. And a half there ago. are currently over 17,000 different fires happening in the rain, yeah, in the Amazon rainforest that. right now as we speak. Um, oh, now, the reason God. that a lot of this is happening besides climate change is that in 2019, Brazil, which houses a large chunk of the Amazon rainforest, um, Brazil's protections of the Amazon were slashed um, by their president, who is anti Amazon. Which, uh, I don't. I don't get a lot of that. Sense to me. What? Um, but alas, um, you know, anti-life doesn't make sense. I don't know. But Kenzie, go break his mm-hmm. knees. We're sending in the big guns. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, like I said, they slashed the protections of the Amazon, um, and which led to a huge increase in deforestation and wildfires in 2019 and 2020. So. Not great. We were actually doing, we were making some pretty good headway in 2005, 2006, 2007 with Amazon conservation. Um, but a lot of that has all been for not be, uh, because of the last couple of years. Um, now, there are a lot of notable uh, big, sexy, charismatic megafauna uh, that live in the Amazon, as well as Woo! half a million different species of bugs. <laughs> but some of the most interesting animals that I think live in the Amazon, um, first and foremost, is their cetacean or dolphin. Um, they have the Amazon pink river dolphins. Oh, they scare me. They are so silly looking. They have a mouth almost like a crocodile, um, but they have a little melon. It's pretty cute. And they're that's pink. not the part. I mean, that's not. That's not what scares me. What scares me is that they, like the stories I've heard about them, are all like terrifying. 
Like, people die all the time. There I are mean, a lot of things on the Amazon know. River that can kill you. Bullshit. I don't know. Yeah. Namely. But, you know. Um, anyway, they are about... They can get up to about 400 pounds. They're a pretty big dolphin. Um, and interestingly so enough, hard. they have really... Um, noticeable sexual dimorphism the males are almost 50 percent larger than the females holy um, moly are, yes and the males are much larger. more pink than the females as don't they get don't they partially get their color oh. from carotenoids just like flamingos do uh i'm not 100 percent sure but they do eat um one of the most diverse diets of any whale or dolphin they eat um they're known to eat i think like 50 or 60 different species of fish and crustaceans wow um, nothing compared to a killer whale but uh quite large compared to some other whales and dolphins. I feel like killer whales just don't care. That's accurate. It says that uh, coloration is thought to be a product of scar tissue resulting well, that from rough or fighting. With other Maybe it's the Indian dolphins. river dolphin that has the carotenoid thing, because they're also kind of pink. Yeah, river dolphins tend to be a lot paler in color. Um, Which Amazon, makes sense. Yes, Amazon river dolphins also have unfused vertebrae, just like beluga whales, um, and large pectoral flippers, also just like beluga whales. So they can look at you! Exactly, they can turn their head. It's incredible. Um, (laughs) Amazon river dolphins are listed as data deficient per the IAUCN. Um, Their main threats are habitat destruction, which is usually pollution from mining and agricultural waste, and they also get entangled in a lot of fishing nets. Um, Other animals that live in the Amazon that I think are amazing are capybaras, which are just like giant adorable rodents um oh, poison dart frogs are pretty neat in my opinion anacondas are uh something uh piranhas live in the amazon as darla says from nemo um but they are only aggressive to humans when food and resources are low um i have actually witnessed a piranha like quote feeding frenzy it is nowhere near what the movies make it out to be let me tell you no it is uh it's exciting but it's you not know scarier hmm an Amazon river dolphin. <laughs> sure. Um, there's also giant. If Abby's in the river or in the water and she's seeing a piranha, like I'll go towards the piranha. Well, bad news. You're not going to see piranha. much in front of you because the water's pretty muddy. Okay, I'm just not going to go into the river that at too. all. I that think would that's be probably advisable. the solution. Yeah. Uh, there are also giant otters that live in the Amazon. There's cougars, there's jaguars, there's sloths. There's a whole lot of fun, charismatic megafauna in the Amazon. Um, but I thought I would try to focus on some of the news that's come out of the Amazon um, rainforest in 2020 and 2021. Um, not all of it is great, let me tell you. Uh, the Amazon rainforest lost an area equal to the size of Israel in 2020 due to deforestation and wildflowers. That's about 8,000 square miles of primary oh forests God. that were lost, mostly in Brazil and Bolivia. Um, however, the article did mention that um, roughly 80% of the Amazon is still intact and able to be protected. So that's some good news. Um, another article I found from the BBC highlighted, uh, and this is very recently, that um, pieces of land from the Amazon are being sold illegally online on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> so if you see a piece of the Amazon, please do not buy it. What the heck is happening in the world? Um, and then lastly, uh, something interesting I saw was there's a new film about the Amazon rainforest called Protecting the Amazon. Um, it has a lot of um, really prominent scientists like Jane Goodall in it. Um, and it is highlighting indigenous voices on issues of the Amazon um, and suggesting that one of the major things that we can do for the Amazon is to demarcate native lands 
um, to protect them because if you demarcate a part of the rainforest as a native land, um, then it is federally protected and you can't mine it. You can't, you know, take the trees out. You can't turn it into cow pasture, et cetera. So it would be something interesting to watch, I think. Add that to the queue. And really, that's um, all I got about the Amazon. We could literally do like four episodes just on the Amazon alone, um, just because the biodiversity is absolutely yeah. wild. But that's a brief overview. And with that, I believe we are going to Africa, Kinsey. Yes, Dr. Livingston, I presume. We are heading towards the <laughs> rainforest. That's where I went, Kenzie. I went where that happened. <laughs> Apparently. Well, prepare to go down a trip to memory lane. Let's get started. The Congo rainforest is oh not in Zambia. No, but the headwaters of the Congo River is, which is the lifeblood of the rainforest. You're right. This is true. <laughs> So located in yeah. Central Africa, yeah, the Congo. Did you see that? Hmm? I don't remember where I saw that. Let me see where it was. Yeah, I have no idea. That I just pulled that out. Of <laughs> yeah, you weren't there. It's okay. All right. Well, anyways, located in Central Africa, the Congo is the second largest rainforest in the world, sometimes referred to as the Central 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 African Rainforest. Take I note. did see it. It's where Victoria Falls is. Yeah. Duh. There it is. Uh, it's in, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So the rainforest spans at least six countries and covers about 178 million hectares, according to Manga Bay, which is a great resource if you want to learn more about environment and conservation news. Uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo holds the largest span of forest at approximately 107 million hectares. Uh, it's largely defined by the basin of its namesake, as we said, the Congo River which starts in the hills of Zambia and then winds its way all the way to the west coast of Africa and dumps into the Atlantic Ocean. Now, the climate of the rainforest is pretty cool because it is so dense. It literally creates its own weather system, kind of like its cousin, the Amazon rainforest. In fact, about 95% of the rain that comes down in the Congo is actually from the plants themselves, which goes through the process of transpiration. If you don't remember that, just remember going to second grade science class and learning about plants. Which is so Makes crazy. It humid. Yeah. But also, there's like a pseudo rainforest that the Congo River creates, like in in Zambia by its headwaters, because of Victoria Falls. How much water is going over the mm -hmm. falls? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, no, it's science, man. It's wacky microclimate yes uh but because of this the congo also experiences a huge amount of storms each year and is struck roughly about 100 million times by lightning uh within one year alone <laughs> wow that is a lot <laughs> like actually or are you just like no no no. Uh, i, I or, literally have, to... have a cup of tea with me i oh i thought you were going to like to make myself a pot I thought you were gonna drop drop it and tell us some hot goss. No, that's for after. <laughs> mm. So, what about yeah. the flora and fauna of the Congo rainforest? While its biodiversity index isn't nearly as high as other rainforests like the Amazon, it still holds a lot of life. Uh, it has about ten thousand species of plants, six hundred of which are trees, and many, many animals. I can't remember exactly the number, but there's a lot, uh, but they're well known for having a big amount of charismatic megafauna. Big, sexy, <laughs> Sexy. Burr, 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 burr. I feel like that needs to be on a t-shirt. You my guys let us know when you want a Patreon I and listen. merch, because we got lots yeah, of ideas. 
and we could use some extra cash big, sexy, mostly mega for fauna. a t-shirt with all of our big, favorite sexy, like mega big, sexy mega faunas on there oh yeah but because I do love plants, I do want to mention some of the tree species you can actually find growing in Congo. Some of them you've probably heard of yourselves, such as mahogany and ebony. Uh, there's also lombi, iroko, sepele, uh, which are all really good timber trees. And then there the, is the aphromosia tree. I apologize if I did not pronounce that right. Unfortunately, though, because the Aphromosia tree is such a desirable hardwood timber, it's actually been placed on the IUCN red list, and you can only find it in pockets within the DRC, whereas it used to be found all over the west coast of Africa on the fringes of the rainforest itself. But unfortunately, people decided, hmm, that's a nice-looking tree, and they went crazy for it. Boo. But the fauna, uh, there are lots of fauna that live in the rainforest, some of which you are very familiar with. We have, of course, gorillas. I know, Katie, that's some of your favorite. Yeah, bonobos. I think you guys talked a lot about them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we did. Episodes, we're just going yeah. to skip over them we today. Sure uh, forest elephants, chimpanzees, leopards, and the once mythical okapi. Now, a few notes on the forest elephants. They're actually smaller than their savanna cousins. They are a subspecies of the African elephant. They have oval ears and their tusks are straighter and they are pointed downward. This is actually to help uh, them not get tangled in the thick undergrowth of the rainforest, which I thought was pretty cool. They are responsible for the germination of many seeds, which can only germinate after passing through their digestive system. Uh, they're very hard to count, though, due to terrain because it's such a dense forest. So dung counts are usually the best and most accurate way uh, scientists are able to track them as of right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> we love poop! Yeah, but even with the limited data, uh, they are estimated to currently be listed <laughs> as vulnerable, according to the IUCN. And of course, as mentioned earlier, we have gorillas. There are several species of gorilla that inhabit the Congo, depending on which specific habitat. Lowland gorillas are the most common, but you can see mountain gorillas at higher elevations, notably in Virunga National Park, which is the oldest park in Africa and was established in 1925, if I remember correctly. I would Yes, because you were there. <laughs> exactly. I'm a time traveler. I was right there. I was like, hmm, this land. Yes, it shall be a park. Uh, Gorillas are herbivorous. They will eat insects and other grubs, though, as well, and they roughly eat about 18 kilograms a day. Another note, silverback is not a species of gorilla. Yes. It is simply oh. a male, a mature male gorilla. Sure. It's also not the alpha gorilla. Stop asking me that. No, and actually lead male gorillas of troops. They are not the strongest or the most boisterous. They're the ones that can help solve conflict the best and resolute and they're really good dads so think about that uh something you guys smash the patriarchy in one swoop uh but while we're talking about gorillas about we really encourage you guys to look at this amazing organization called grace gorilla rehabilitation and conservation education it is an organization in the DRC dedicated to conserving gorillas while also supporting the local communities around them. Uh, this is an organization dear to our hearts because we've had several leaders actually work on the project. And what's really neat about it is that, unfortunately, yeah. the project had no outside help for two years due to civil conflict, but the local community stood by, was able to sustain itself 
and the project, which was really, really neat. And just goes to show you have to involve local communities in conservation. And it's a human issue as much as it is a wildlife issue. And it's working over at Grace. It's almost like this mm-hmm. is an ongoing yeah, thing Yeah, it's like involving people. Saying, actually works. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, one concept. last note on fauna. There is the okapi. No, it is not a zebra, though it does have zebra-like stripes on the back hindquarters. It is actually a relative of the giraffe, the only known relative of the giraffe. You know, what if, like... We just saw zebras and we're like, oh, like, are, are those okapis? Are those some kind of okapis? Think about <laughs> that next time you call it Also, this goes to show. Okay. Well, that. Some things um, have the same But it also goes to show, patterns. like, talk to the local people. My goodness. Because, like, they all knew about the okapi. Yeah, they did. And the, and the Western, like, European people were like, we don't believe you. No. Idiots. But it wasn't officially discovered by the quote-unquote West until 1901. So... When you think about it, that's a really recent discovery, especially for such a large animal. So while we are talking about the Congo rainforest, we do have to mention the region and the political climate that it does inhabit. Uh, The Congo has a very long and storied past, which is often dark. That is not a play on the heart of darkness, though I do recommend reading that book. It's an interesting take on things. But the Congo was colonized by the Belgians during the later half of the 19th century, during the mad scramble for Africa. So if you remember anything from the imperialism history of your uh, international history classes, you might recall that. Um, But it resulted in the genocide of 10 million African people through brutal and oppressive treatment, notably through the rubber tree plantations that were being cultivated there. So thanks, King Leopold, you absolute beep. (laughs) There are so many things, (laughs) so many words I could use to describe that absolute trash heap of a man. He is top list on historical figures I would want to fight. But that is another podcast episode in and of itself. I mean, I I know we're a conservation-based podcast, but I feel like (laughs) I I would take one episode out there to just hear the list that I can be, you know, people that can be. The Belgian's uh, colonial rule, unfortunately, still holds a lot of sway on ethnic conflicts within the region to this day that are only exasperated by, you know, lack of resources and other outside and internal factors. Uh, today, 75 million people call the forest home and rely on it for food, medicine, shelter, and general income. Uh, and of course, though, major threats to the rainforest are illegal logging and unsustainable mining practices for resources, especially coltan, which is used in our everyday electronics, such as the computer and the microphone that I'm speaking into right now. So something you can do is you can actually recycle your electronics at designated spaces um, and minimize the impact of mining. Again, ethnic and political disputes make conservation work really difficult in this region, which again, I cannot emphasize this enough. This is why it's so important to work with the local communities in a way that's sustainable. And again, screw the freaking Belgians. (laughs) Read King Leopold's Ghost. It talks a little bit more about that. Well, we hate him. We do. We really, really do. But anyways, let's move on to a happier subject. Katie, where are you taking us today? Yeah. 
<gasps> Good night. I'm, I'm, land down I'm shocked. What else do I know? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. We go into Australia for my rainforest, and we're going to talk about the Daintree rainforest, um, ah, which I cool. did actually get to visit while I was there. Um, it was a day thing. I went up to Cairns because I spent most of my time in South Australia. Um, Cairns is a city all the way up in Queensland, which is in the northern part of Australia. And I got to do a rainforest tour while I was there. It was like a little packed week full of like when I wanted to go a Great Barrier Reef, uh, rainforest, kind of experience everything I could uh, in the Northern Territory in like four days. So that was a fun-filled adventure. But anyways, the Daintree Rainforest itself, like I said, is located in the territory of Queensland in Northern Australia. Um, And it's part of a bigger... Um, what's known as the wet tropics of Queensland rainforest. The Daintree rainforest itself, though, is the largest continuous area of this rainforest in Australia and is part of the oldest continually surviving tropical rainforest on Earth. Um, It is (gasps) estimated to be about 350 million years old. So when Abby said that dinosaurs roamed through rainforests, yes, um, namely... Daintree that's, is one of the crazy. oldest ones. It is the oldest one that we still I have. I can't even imagine isn't like it, 10 years yeah, very well. So 350 million um, is difficult too. But, <laughs> so the crazy thing about that is like the rainforest itself contains the world's best living record on of the major sages in the evolutionary history of the world's that's land cool. plants specifically. Because um, yeah, most of the wildlife in this area um a lot of it has been virtually unchanged for 350 million years so you basically got a whole forest of living fossils which is pretty cool um also a little fun fact that i think you guys will appreciate more than anyone um apparently the Daintree rainforest provided inspiration for the movie avatar that movie sucks but i like the environment it's not good I mean, it does. I know. I, I like the message. message. I know it's just. <laughs> so, anyways, it did provide the, a little bit of inspiration for that, and it is the largest in Australia. It spans over uh, twelve hundred kilometers or four hundred and sixty square miles. Um, millions of years ago, rainforest spanned over much of eastern Australia. However, as the climate um, changed over time, it uh, became a lot drier. And Daintree is basically one of the last remaining tropical regions um, in the in the country. So because of this, many of the plants and animals um, have remained there for forever. And they have a lot of primitive characteristics, which is why we have tree kangaroos and cassowaries there. And I will get into why those are so crazy that we still have them in just a moment. Um but Emily mentioned earlier how, like, some mind-blowing statistics about the Amazon. So here's, like, some that also absolutely blew my mind about the Daintree Rainforest. Um, it contains 30% of the frog, reptile, wow. and marsupial species in Australia. And it contains 90% Whoa. of Australia's bat and butterfly species. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, all of this diversity is contained within an area that takes up 0.2% wow. of Australia itself, though. 
<laughs> so phenomenal cosmic powers. Yeah, be the living space, <laughs> but exactly. <laughs> um. So let's start off with some plants. So the area is home to the greatest concentration of plant species that are rare or threatened with extinction than again. I'm not really surprised. Uh, which is like. Yeah, so the Drain Tree Rainforest is home to one of the highest populations of primitive flowering plants. Specifically, they have of the 19 primitive plant families found on Earth, ni- uh, 12 are found in the Dane Tree. <laughs> so they're just, it's just a Jurassic Park over there. And uh, many plants in this area cannot survive without the characteristics of another plant alongside it. So they have evolved together for millions and millions of years. That it is really vital that they all stay there. Yeah, real important. But aside from the plants, there are some pretty rocking animals in this area as well. Um, I'm just going to list off a few that I'm going to talk a little more about and uh, that I thought were pretty notable. Like the saltwater crocodile, um, it so they're like found. The Daintree rainforest actually goes right up to the coast, like right up to the beach of um, northern Australia, um, which is pretty incredible in itself. But I actually did one day when I was up there go to the beach, and the most beautiful water I've ever swam in. It was so blue. We went paddle boarding. It was warm. It was gorgeous day. Blah, blah, blah. And we get out of the water at the end of the day. And we're just, like, sitting around, heading out. And all of a sudden, we see this, like, big sign where when we left. And it was, oh. like, danger. Oh, oh, like, good. saltwater crocodiles in water. And we were, like, what? Wow. <laughs> what? I was like, um, excuse me? And so I'm really glad I'm still here with y'all today. Um, There were obviously a lot of other people at this beach. It was a very popular place, so I was also very confused. But (laughs) it is what it is, I guess. Um, Yeah, so they have been a protected species in Australia since 1970 um, due to overly aggressive hunting by humans. Um, since then, it has been illegal to injure or kill a crocodile. I'm going to say this is also where Steve Irwin kind of started with his um, passion for uh, conservation with saltwater crocodiles was this issue as well. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool. Obviously, they're living fossils and are literal dinosaurs. Yeah. And then you have another literal dinosaur called the cassowary, who I know we've talked about before. <laughs> But my God, do these things scare me with their giant claws and weird heads. Um, cassowary, there's only, it's only estimated that there are about 4,000 of them currently left in the wild. Um, however, they play an extremely crucial role in this rainforest um, as seed dispersers. Um, they disperse over 100 species of large plants um, by eating their large fruits and are considered a keystone species in the rainforest. And their biggest threats, though, include car collisions, accidental trappings that are meant for feral pigs that are, you guessed it, invasive, Um, dog attacks, like feral dog attacks, and habitat fragmentation. So definitely quite a few things that can be avoided. Um, 
moving on from them, you have my next favorite animal in this rainforest, which are tree kangaroos. Okay, please tell me. I've seen him in real life. I've seen a tree kangaroo, like a picture of one before. That's even better, but my goodness, are they fluffy little dudes. They look like... (gasps) They remind me of Winnie the Pooh for some reason. I think it's just because they're so fuzzy, but like they don't look anything like what you like. I don't know. That's just my take on it. But so they're really interesting um, and very different from other kangaroos because they're the only true arboreal macropod, um, which is the family of marsupials that includes wallabies, kangaroos, quokkas, and many more. Um, and there are two species found in the Dane Tree Rainforest. They're called Bennett's Tree Kangaroo and Lumholtz Tree Kangaroo. Um, they are very clumsy if walking on the ground, but agile in the trees and are a very rare sight. Um, the, for- the part of the rainforest that I toured through, uh, they did have like tree kangaroo spotting areas, but I was I unfortunately did not see them because they are so hard to find. Um, Their range is very small, which is part of it. They have a smaller population in general, and they're threatened pretty much by the same things as cassowary. But otherwise, there are obviously many, many other really awesome, diverse species in the Daintree Rainforest in Australia. There's over 12,000 different species of insects, which is wow. Um, Some other notable ones that I'm going to just throw out there at you guys. We got giant tree frogs. Um, sugar gliders, spotted tail quoll. Please do yourself a favor. Please, right now, look up a spotted tail quoll. That's Q U O L. Oh my God. You will thank me in a second. They are really. Cute. There, there you go. That's the exact reaction. They look like the little for. baby they Tasmanian devils, spot. but cuter. I never knew this was a thing. Look yes, at their so little peeps. Look to at their peeps. And they are so cute. <gasps> are like they, a Bambi and a Tasmanian devil so, yeah. baby. Um, like how, I said, how, do yourself a favor. How big are these? I need to know. Are they big or they small? Yeah, the oh my perfect God, size actually, to hold. Yes. How, they're smaller um, I'm, than I'm looking like it a up. Tasmanian devil. Like a large they're, cat. They're like sizable. There, if you Medium scroll further cat. down, you'll see a um, picture of someone holding one. But um, yes. So spotted tail quoll. How do you spell couscous? couscous? They're also really cute. Um, C U S C U S. Spotted couscous. Oh. Um, they have real bright eyes, and they're very similar to sloths. Um, they are a nocturnal animal. Katie. They, yeah, they just move Katie, real they slow. They kind of scare me. But they're much smaller than a They sloth. have slit <laughs> eyes. No, they have the slit eyes. They're that's scary. Like, they, they that's what my cat looks like before she's about to eat my yeah. feet. <laughs> All right. And then I got one more for you. If you've never, if you've never known what a bandicoot looks like in real life, if your only reference, it's wrong. Yeah, if your only reference to a bandicoot is Crash Bandicoot, and they're like a little shrew. Please look up what a bandicoot looks they're like. They're kind of dumb looking. Found. They look like yeah, they look like yeah. shrews. Um, they mice with like long noses. So I just thought that was funny. Is what they actually look like. They also have um goanas. <laughs> um, if you've ever seen the Rescuers Down Under, you know that. But one she was of the, the best. evil guy's pet was a goanna. 
um, Hercules moths. Um, and then a notable last favorite I'll mention is the golden orb spider. This is the Australian golden orb spider. How big? This I did get to see when I was in the rainforest. Um, it is about the size of your hand. Um, so that was fun. I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And everyone else in my group uh, ran away screaming. And I was like, look at this. Look at this cool guy just chilling here. So, yeah, lots of cool stuff. Now, getting on to conservation, though, in the Dane Tree. Um, one yeah! really cool thing is it is considered an important <laughs> bird area or an I. I said, yeah, we've talked I about that before. I can't remember meant. where. Um, or an IBA. Maybe in the bird so, episode. I feel but like it I was. We'd had to, I don't know. Remember, it's it, it was probably the bird episode. Um, so it's uh, BirdLife International is an organization that works across the globe to basically, you know, protect birds. And they establish these important bird areas to protect. And the Dane tree is considered one of these areas because of its population of southern cassowaries in particular. Um, like I said earlier, one of the greatest threats to the rainforest is housing development and fragmentation, with, which disrupts the ecosystem with increased human traffic and the introduction of invasive species like those feral pigs. Um, and then... Something that's kind of working to combat this, though, are several um, rainforest organizations, namely the Rainforest Trust Australia, is currently working to purchase 15 private properties to then be transferred to the Queensland government to be national park land, um, which would expand the rainforest by 71 acres. So I went on their website to learn more about this. They're currently asking for donations on their website. It's rainforesttrust.org. But they've actually already reached their goal for all these to purchase these 15 properties. So, yeah, uh, and this was like a uh, recent like the website had been updated for 2021. So I was like, oh, lit. <laughs> Great. Um, but obviously, I'm sure they, they have many other projects going on that could use our help, too. Um, another notable mention is uh, DaintreeRainforest.net.au um, or Australia. It's AU at the end of the URL has some awesome camera trap photos of cassowaries and other wildlife in the rainforest that they set up. Um, it's just like a really cool resource if you want to learn a little more about some of those areas. I had a really fun time on this website the other day. Um, and they run educational programs uh, in, in the forest. So, yeah, if you ever get the chance, highly recommend oh, 10 out of 10 go. would go again. It was very beautiful. All right. Well, yeah. now Emily A. is going to tell That's us a little it. bit about rainforests in Costa Rica. Take it away, Emily. Okay. This feels so weird uh, recording without you guys. Hello, Katie. Okay. Um, I'm going to add in the little first part so you can uh, blip me in for the uh, intro. Hi, I'm Emily. Oh, that was not right. <laughs> okay. Collect myself. I'm Emily. Okay, use that. Um, okay. So now we're going to start with my Central America section. 
So Emily gave us the Congo in South America, and I'm giving you the rainforest that is directly above that one. Uh, Central America. Uh, some people consider it part of the Amazon, but when I was there, none of the locals did. So here we are talking about it separately. Um, I said it in the deserts, and I'll say it again here, because holy guacamole, there are so many bugs, y'all. If I thought there were a lot of bugs in the desert, yep, the rainforest topped that one. Um, <laughs> maybe one day we'll get to talk about our time studying abroad, and that will be my time to shine uh, for stories there. But this is going to be like a condensed version and sneak peek of what I experienced there. We will start with bullet ants, starting off strong here. Um, hello, they're terrifying please Google them. Um, they can literally cause paralyzation and the sensation of getting shot. Yeah, no, thank you. Saw one, walked the other way. I'm going to avoid that situation. Um, forget about creating bug taxis for bugs because guess what? You become the bug taxi. <laughs> I had multiple bugs jump on me uh, while exploring the rainforest, a tarantula actually hitchhiked on my leg. I felt the fangs resting on my leg and all. Um, don't know if I've talked about it uh, before. There's like microscopic, like little ant-like bugs that urinate. And when they urinate, it feels like little shards of glass. And I had them on my neck for about a week. Had no idea until I finally told one of the scientists there. And they told me Vodka kills it. So, yep. Yeah. Another ant. Uh, <laughs> army ants. Um, these guys are really interesting. Uh, just mostly in the way that they move collectively. Um, that's how they get their name, army ant. Uh, I watched them literally cover an entire road when they were crossing. And uh, the interesting thing is that we knew they were coming before they were even there because you see a ton of other small animals and bugs literally running like they're being chased by Michael Myers. Yeah. So <laughs> I would run too. Um, I could go on forever, but if you like bugs, go to the rainforest. You'll be in bug utopia. Emily touched on some animals that can be found in Central American rainforests, but I'll share with you some that you might not have heard of. Um, starting with a jaguar indie. They have the name jaguar, but they have no spots. Um, they're like a medium-sized cat, and just look up a picture of them. I don't know what it is about them, but just something looks off. They're still cool, though. Just uh, something doesn't fit right. Maybe their head's too small for their body. I don't know. Um, ocelots and margays. They look like little mini jaguars and they're freaking adorable. Um, but uh, definitely two different animals. They have different types of spots. And Katie, this one's for you, girl. Monkeys. So many cool monkeys. Uh, we can start off with the small and adorable squirrel monkey. So cute. Um, spider monkeys, they are bee noisy, and sometimes I've learned that they make screams that sound like a woman is being stabbed. So, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> um, another thing that sounds terrifying is howler monkeys. They sound like demons in the night, uh, but I learned that they are incredibly non-confrontational, 
they will make a ton of noise, but then if anyone approaches them, they run away. So, <clears throat> drama queens. Um, and capuchin monkeys. These are by far the most bold of all of the monkeys out there. Um, they are just full of personality and extremely intelligent. Um, <laughs> they have watched people shower and then they literally will have like mimicked you like showering like while you're washing your body they start washing their body it's very interesting um a little weird but interesting um there's also the infamous tapir um i think abby really likes these uh they have a large uh never mind we're pg-13 here we're moving on (laughs) Kawadis are kind of like a raccoon um, and also freaking cute AF. Um, and there's an arboreal anteater called a tamandua. Also super cute AF. Um, side note, the cougars here look more red, which I thought was interesting. Um, and that is just to help with the camouflage with the more red clay soil. Whereas cougars in North America are generally like a light tan color, which is pretty interesting. And Abby, this one's for you, girl. The birds here are beautiful. There's so many birds. Um, My favorites were the toucans and macaws, of course. But I also really love the curassows. They have like a fancy mohawk. Um, And the absolutely stunning king vulture and like a poop ton more birds. But, you know. It's also bird utopia if you really like birds. <laughs> um, and Kenzie, um, so many cool bats. And of course, I've talked about it before. Her favorite northern ghost bat is here. And they look like cute little white powder puffs. Oh, just hanging from palm fronds. So cute. Love them. Um, there's also a ton of sea turtles that come here to the beaches, too. I believe there is specifically one famous beach that has like hundreds, if not thousands of sea turtles that come up at one time every year. It's a very uh, interesting scientific event. Um, And there's a lot of snakes um, and very venomous ones like the Fertilands, which is famous for being... The one uh, that bites people the most. So most of the time, if people get bitten by a snake, it's usually by a fertile ants. And they are venomous. Uh, you definitely need to go see a hospital within a couple hours of uh, getting bitten by one. Otherwise, it can cause issues for you later. Um, there's also vipers, like the really beautiful yellow viper. Um, sea snakes, pythons, uh, green tree pythons. Um Lots of really beautiful and uh, intense snakes. Um, Also, the plant life is just absolutely incredible here. Uh, This is actually where Chanel number five gets their most famous scent from. It's called the Lang Lang flower, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It starts with a Y. Um, And this flower does actually truly smell just like Chanel number five. It's beautiful. Um, and the biggest thing that makes things really beautiful are all of the trees, which unfortunately, uh, a lot of those trees are used for common household furniture items, which causes a lot of logging. But 
Perhaps some of the most devastating effects of Central American rainforests are palm oil, cattle, and pineapple farming. Yes, you heard me, pineapples. They take years to grow, about two to three years, uh, just for it to develop fruit. And forests have to be completely clear-cut to be empty plots of land with little pineapples growing in the ground. So, save your amazing rainforest by shopping sustainably. Uh, Try to keep a lookout for where you're getting your pineapples from. Maybe don't get pineapples, like, on a weekly basis. I know they're really good. I know, trust me. But it's just, like, a little delicate uh, treat that I have every now and then. Um, So, save your rainforest by trying to shop more sustainably. We've talked about it a lot before but we're saying it here again. So if you want to learn more about like palm oil specifically, we have a whole episode that talks about that. So check out previous episodes to learn how. So perfect segue to our conservation conversation. And that's it. Let me know how you liked it, uh, Katie. I hope I was a little bit entertaining there, um, just because it was me talking straight for a while, but, oh, and look at that, I just looked at the time, it was right under 10 minutes, fabulous, amazing, okay, so, I guess I'll go now, and I'll let you add this in, okay, thanks for being an awesome editor, bye, and we're back, (laughs) nice, okay, I thought that was funny, but I'm, (laughs) I don't think I am. That's okay. We'll see how it cuts together. (laughs) All right. So now I'm going to just briefly mention Asian rainforest. I'm not going to cover too much because I did the segment at the beginning, but there are lots of rainforests in Asia. We covered a lot about this in the palm oil episode. So if you want to learn more about that crisis, because that's probably what we would have talked about anyway, Go back and listen to palm oil. But there are some cool animals that live in Asian rainforests that you guys uh, should look up and learn more about, including <gasps> orangutans. But not limited to. These are, these are let's be real, these are the big sexy But not limited to. Um, <laughs> I figure this is going to get people to actually look it up. So that's okay. really All right. Big, sexy so we've got orangutans, siamangs, Asiatic bears, including Asiatic black bears, sloth bears, and sun bears. And sun bears are my favorite, so you should look those up for sure. They're so silly. Uh, Asian elephants. Some bears billions are of kinds of parrots and parakeets. That's an exaggeration, but a lot. Um, also, a lot of kinds of hornbills um, and, and lots of other just <laughs> birds in general. I couldn't get too far into that or it would have been a 30 long, hour long episode. Tigers live in the Asian rainforest. Not only there, but most of them. Um, Komodo dragons, reticulated pythons, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are literally so many animals. But those are the big, sexy, megafauna ones. So your job, uh, I almost said readers, listeners, is to look it up at home. Yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still over here looking at all these photos of spotted tail. They're very cool. I'm sorry. They just, listen, they're I think so they're cute, cute too until those eyes like just, spots. their pupils get small. And I'm like, that's, that's Izumi right before she decides to go bite my ankles. That's what she does. Yeah, I know. I love her, but she's a demon. It's just cats for you. And important. Man. Rainforest, though. Use bamboo. Great. We should protect them. Don't 
Don't use unsustainable palm it. oil. Do, do Emily and Kenzie, do you have anything to add? It's real important. Um, a lot of the rainforest is being turned into pasture land for cattle, so pay attention to where your beef comes from. Yeah, there's plenty of beef. There's plenty of local beef. If yes, you want to have beef, true. that's a big one. Mm-hmm, also, yeah. even just or things, or like for those who Monday. practice Lent, like, instead of having you know, like cutting our meat, meat down. you can do meatless Friday. That's what I do because my husband's very allergic to any kind of fish. Um, so I do meatless Fridays. Yeah, you know. that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's not even hard. That works. Pizza, <laughs> spaghetti <laughs> for conservation. Pizza for conservation, y'all. Eat pasta, save the rainforest. Ice cream for conservation. <laughs> Next time you guys oh. go to the grocery store, look for the little tree frog symbol from the Rainforest yes. Alliance. Get- oh my god, we didn't mention the Rainforest Alliance. Yeah, Rainforest Alliance products are excellent. Briars. Also, I always like to tell wow. parents this with Duh. kids, oh especially gosh. if your kids yeah, get bored okay. grocery shopping, make it into a fun game. See how many times you can find the frog. The answer is not enough. <laughs> that is true. And it doesn't mean they're not part of the alliance. Yes, it just means they didn't so put true. it on their product. It really but I would, I would appreciate um, also, if they put it on their product so I could know. I know right now this might seem off topic, but I promise it relates. Um, my mom mentioned, shout out to my mom. <gasps> that it is Girl Scout cookie season, but she was hesitant to buy them this year because they have palm oil in them. And I looked it up, and Girl Scouts have released this year in January of 2021 that they it's uh, on their box. They actually put the logo the on their box. I ordered Girl Scout cookies. Palm oil. They did. I think I sent you guys a Snapchat of it, maybe. But oh, I was, they? I was so I, I say I bought good. them because. Um, the girls oh, they babysit for but yes. sell them, and I was like, "Well, I want to support you because I'm glad that you're becoming awesome, crazy cool ladies." Um, but then I saw that, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I sent it to their mom, and she was like, "Is that good?" And I was like, "Yes, it's the best." You yes, can buy I'm them online until April first. That's what I was told. Everything. So, so. No guilt um, about that now, but thanks, Aww. mom, for for thinking about it because she listened to our palm oil episode. So go, mom. But everyone else out there, you should also maybe buy some Girl Scout cookies. Stay See you safe, next week. Stay sustainable, Bye. and thanks for joining Bye. us. <laughs>